what I try to do is to inspire women to live their best life every day, no matter what their age is, whether they are already retired or not. Talking with people about how to have a great retirement. This is the Rock Your Retirement Show. We don't talk about money, but we talk about almost everything else you need to rock your retirement. Now, here's your host, Kathy Klein. Welcome to Rock Your Retirement. This is the show where we talk about what you need besides money before you retire. If you're already retired, we can give you some ideas on how to have a better retirement. Remember, there are other things to think about besides money when dealing with retirement. And if you'd like to have a more interactive experience, join our private Facebook group by going to rockyourretirement.com slash Facebook community. Our guest today is Lorraine Laddish, and I'm so excited that she decided to come on the show. I actually reached out to her through Twitter, and for those of you who don't know what Twitter is, (laughs) it is a social media platform that a lot of reporters and bloggers hang out at. She is actually a 21st century communicator. She helps empower women and others to achieve their goals. She's the founder and CEO of Viva 50, and that's why I reached out to her. This is a bilingual community that celebrates being over 50. Now, in addition to that, she's worked as an editor and a social media coordinator for a number of online publications. And her next book, which is about embracing age, how great is that, will be published by HarperCollins in 2017. Most of all, she's a woman, a mom, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a friend, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a yogini, and a caring person. So, Lorraine, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is my pleasure entirely. Tell me a little bit more that you would like our listeners to know about you. One of the things I'm most proud of, I would say, is that I can say that by choice, I have always worked, but I've never been on a payroll. (laughs) And I am almost 54 and I started working full time at around 18. So that's a lot of years. (laughs) It has allowed me to pursue my passion of writing for life. And I have realized throughout the years that this is not normal. I thought it was when I was younger. I thought that everybody did what they loved and that everybody was intent on pursuing what they wanted to do. As I grew older, I realized that I was actually really, really lucky that I was dog-headed and pig-headed enough that I kept on going with my vision from a very young age. Wow. Now, your family has writing in it, correct? Yes. uh, I come from my grandfather, my great uncle, my father are all writers. I grew up watching them write and I grew up watching them. My grandfather was a painter as well. My grandfather also had a printing press in Spain. And on weekends, my sister and I would go visit him and we would collate books back in the old days when everything was done manually. And I still remember the smell of ink Mm. and the sound of the printing press. And it's very comforting to me. But my dad wanted me to be a marine biologist. Oh, wow. And at 12, I thought that you had to do what your dad said. So I started looking into that. But I, I just fell into writing. And that's what I did and do. Mm. And so now today you write about fish, right? (laughs) About fish. (laughs) 
<laughs> Just kidding. Oh, goodness. My dad and I laugh so much about that because he's still working, even though he's in his 70s. And he and I compare notes. And he's he's one of the people who reads what I write and, and, and is one of my editors. And it's it's wonderful to, to be able to have his support, even though he wanted me to write about fish. <laughs> <laughs> now, what made him want you to be a marine biologist? I'm just curious. Well, he said there was no money in writing. <laughs> but where, where, how said, did he pick marine biologists? Like, I, I, I don't know. He thought, I guess back then, he thought it was a career that would give me money. And interestingly enough, my neighbors in Florida work at an aquarium where they are marine biologists and they hardly get paid any money and they're right. struggling to make ends meet and it's awful. And here I am working from home and I did not even, I'm not proud of it, but I didn't finish college for other reasons. But, you know, it's, it's, I think there's a big value in from a very young age in letting your kids or your grandkids do what they are called to do. Well, the funny thing is I live in San Diego and we have the zoo here. We've got the San Diego Zoo. We've got SeaWorld and there are so many people trying to get jobs at those places. So I'm glad that you didn't pursue marine biology. <laughs> I'm glad too. <laughs> Although it's funny because when I, um, I, I went to school, uh, it took me a long time to graduate. I sort of, when I was younger, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to numerous community colleges and then I wound mm -hmm. up getting a job as a financial advisor. I know. Mm -hmm. You're like, how can a financial mm -hmm. advisor get a job without a degree? Well, you can't these days. No. So, <laughs> so don't. Exactly. Well, one of the things of being self-taught, I mean, there's something that, that I'm realizing now and that I push with my, my children who are young because I had my kids older. So I have a almost 16-year-old, almost 14-year-old and almost 13-year-old. And still in this day and age, I tell them that as long as they pursue something with heart and soul, they can, like experience is really more than a degree nowadays. I have never been questioned about my ability to interpret languages, to write into languages, to edit, et cetera, et cetera, as long as I was delivering because I was not applying for a job because I have always made my own opportunities. So it's a very different situation when somebody comes to you for your proven knowledge than for just, oh, they have a degree, which is great to have. I'm not saying it's not. I wish my kids would get one because I know it opens doors that might not open if you don't have a degree, but it, I don't think it's necessary. Well, in today's world, the world is changing so quickly. A lot of kids even going to a state college, they come out of their college years with $100,000 or more in debt. And, Agreed. <laughs> yes. And to saddle a child mm -hmm. with that much debt, I mean, they're, it's going to be very difficult for them. And so if you have a child with an entrepreneurial spirit, I have no problem at all with them pursuing that as long as they do it in the right way, not, oh, I don't know what I want to do, so I'm not going to do anything. Of course, you don't want them to do that, right? But you can live a very good life. I have a hairdresser that I know that is making six figures. Mm -hmm. And she certainly mm -hmm. didn't go to a four-year college. I think it's, I don't know what cosmetology, I think it's 18 months or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I think you should pursue your passion. Definitely have a, a good well, life. Well, it's, it's interesting. And I'll give you an example. For um, Right now, my family and I, were five people, my husband and our three kids and the dog. We have a blended family, no help from the other parents. And 
we all live off of my business. Wow. And my husband, who used to be a photojournalist and he worked with uh, the New York Times, Time Magazine and uh, a lot of others, he went back to school after 40. When I met him, he was uh, 45 and he was getting his um, bachelor's and then he got his MFA in the hopes of making more money and getting into academia, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? He did not get a job and he is still not getting a job and Mm. he went through school, but he's going back to what he wanted to do, which was writing. So he's also making a living writing, but the business supports all of us. And the business is a website called Viva 50 and everything that Viva 50 does from social media, advertising, content creation, videos, brand ambassadorship. And I also contribute as a writer to a number of digital publications. So this is how we make a living. And we don't make it thanks to him having gone back to school, but thanks to me who didn't finish school, (laughs) setting up this digital business. I love it. So that's actually why I wanted to talk to you today. So my listeners, we usually don't have someone like you on the show because you're still working, you're still with kids. But the reason why I wanted you to come on is this this website that you have, this business called Viva 50. So you're targeting mostly women over the age of 50, and that's my listenership. So tell us what you do for women over 50. What I try to do is to inspire women in English and in Spanish, just because I'm bilingual and bicultural, to live their best life every day, no matter what their age is, whether they are already retired, because I do know people who are younger than I am and they are retired, and people who are just slightly older and they are retired, but I also know a lot of people who are not. And by this, I mean, I know there is a legal age for retirement, but because I was brought up in this family of writers and artists, I realized, oh, and then I married into a family of writers and artists (laughs) where my father-in-law, who is 90, is still writing his books. Wow. And my grandfather wrote until his death at 90. And my father is still compiling dictionaries and writing and teaching in his well into his 70s. And I believe that when you do something that you are really passionate about, whether that was something you did your entire life or you started doing in midlife because you were able to, it really helps you feel purposeful, happy, and avoid a lot of these things like retirement seems to be like a downhill mentally and emotionally spiral for a lot of people, but it can be prevented, I think, by realizing that your passion, again, might be something you always lived off of, maybe not. But if you harness that, I think the second half of your life, to call it something, can be just as productive and enjoyable as the first half. Great. So give me some examples of some types of articles that I might find on your website. We discuss everything from, we have it divided into mind, body, I'm not going to say them in order, but mind, body, grace, which is really beauty, but I find that beauty is more than skin deep. So escape, which is what you would do in your free time, relationships. And the vantage point is because I am almost 54 and I still have young children and I am seeing more and more women who are entering their 60s with young children and with a different way of of, uh, of entering 60 and 70 that we take into account all different 
backgrounds of people. We are not saying, oh, so this is the empty nest years. It, we're discovering that after a certain age, things are changing. So we want to keep up with that. And we want to teach people, well, how to stay uh, physically fit, but do things that maybe their doctor might tell them is not so good. Like I have, I go to yoga and I've always practiced sport all my life. And this morning there was a woman who was 10 years older than myself and she is just as flexible as I am. And I am more flexible than the 20 year old in the class. And so it goes to show you that a lot of the things we grew up thinking like, oh, after 50, if you get out of bed and nothing hurts, you're not alive. That is not true. <laughs> that can be your reality or somebody's reality, but it doesn't have to be. So my vantage point is preparing. Like nobody teaches us to age. I grew up with, I love my father, but he always complained about his age since he, he had me very young. And at 29, he thought he was done. At 39, he thought he was done. And now he says, okay, now I'm finally done. <laughs> and I'm telling him, no, you know, that was the example. I never wanted to live like that. And my grandfather, my Spanish grandfather, on the other hand, he was this kind of person that was, you know, you just have to live life. He said, when, if I had known how young I was at 50, I would have done things so much differently. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let that happen to me. I'm not going to be complaining about all that. I'm going to celebrate it. So you and had a good role model as far as I, that goes I, as well. Well, yeah, I had a bad one and a good one. <laughs> the bad one was my dad and the good one was my grandfather. So. <laughs> it's like that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. And, and then my grandmother just turned 100. So that also gave me more motivation. Wow. She's a very happy woman. And, you know, it, it's just with with all these other friends I have who do have cancer, who do have crippling diseases, who, you know, I think we, we it, it's almost like an insult to them not to make the best of our life at any age and, and not to prepare for when you're older, because it's, you can kick and scream and all you like, but time passes anyway. And it really is in the attitude and it really is up to us to not be miserable and transfer that to our kids, to our grandkids, et cetera. That's great. We are speaking with Lorraine Laddish of Viva50.com. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Are your plastic containers multiplying behind closed doors? Hi, my name is Lisa Woodruff and I am a professional organizer and productivity expert. Okay. What's going on behind those closed doors with all of those plastic containers? I want you to get them all out and put them on your kitchen counter or your kitchen table. All of them, every single one. And then match the tops and the bottoms. If you don't have a top, get rid of the bottom. And if you have a top with no bottom, get rid of the top. Then when you look at what you have left, I want you to think about, really, how many plastic containers do you need? How often do you use reusable plastic containers? Get down to a very small amount that you keep in your cabinet, because as you and I know, they're going to multiply in there anyway. Anything you don't need, go ahead and donate, and then find out how little you can live on. Check out the Organized 365 podcast for more on how to get organized as you rock your retirement. Welcome back to Rock Your Retirement. We're speaking with Lorraine Laddish of Viva50.com. Lorraine, welcome back to the show. 
Thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So we were talking about your grandparents and you were telling me some good examples of aging and some bad examples of aging. And it was funny because one of the things, and I don't know if this was on your website or if you were just sharing it, And I think this is when I originally, I mean, I've been following you for a while, but I think this is when I originally reached out to you. You had an article about a woman who was getting pregnant at age 50 or over 50. (laughs) Was that on your website or were you sharing that? I think I wrote about it in a different website, (laughs) but I remember writing about it. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm 51 and I'm thinking, okay, I don't Uh, think I would want to have a baby right now, but you know, more and more women are having babies at older ages. Have you seen any kind of change in how we think about retirement when we go into quote unquote retirement age and we still have a 10-year-old child? Well, sure. Uh, It is different. I mean, I, I meet women, again, my age who have their kids all married off and they have grandchildren. And here I am knowing that when I'm 60, my eldest will, my youngest will be 20. And I do have friends who are, who have been mothers at an older age. But here's the thing. I had my kids, like my first kid when I was 30, almost 38, and the second one when I was almost 41. And well, back then, that was considered old, right? So I even remember a doctor telling me, well, this is a, it will be a complicated pregnancy and it will be, you know, and it wasn't, by the way, I had my second child in 40 minutes from the moment I checked into the hospital (laughs) to the moment she popped out. That's awesome. So. It, well, I mean, and I like to share that story because it's, there's all this negativity surrounding being an older mom. But I believe that if you, for example, I have never had children, so I didn't know whether being as bone tired as I was or not, is that any different from having it at 20? I don't know. I personally do not feel like having more children in my 50s. Uh, I would adopt if I could. But I don't think I would enjoy going through pregnancy, labor, et cetera. But if I had not had kids before, I wouldn't know what it was to have them younger. So I would probably really enjoy it. Right. And the only thing that as a woman and as a daughter that makes me think about whether this is a good idea is when you do consider that, oh, shoot, well, so I have my kid at 50, 50 some, and then that child is a teen and I'm 70. that that, that's my dad's age now that I cannot that that is there's a lot to be said for the fact that maybe having children is actually not so selfless but a little bit of a selfish attitude so I don't know that's a whole other but yes we go into we go a lot of us are going into retirement thinking like I don't see myself retiring because I don't come from a model of family that has retired at a certain age, an age where they're getting um, some kind of pension or something that they paid into and they're getting it back now, but they have never stopped being productive. And I think that's what makes them youthful. Now, is part of this the fact that you grew up in Spain? Like, how old were you when you left? Oh, goodness. That was not very long ago. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) I was born in, in, in Madrid and I was raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania until I was five. My parents divorced and then I went back to Spain and I've traveled back and forth. I'm a dual national, but I had never lived here permanently until 13 years ago. But here's the thing. I was very lucky that I was born into more than two cultures and two languages and two ways of thinking. And But in fact, in Spain, the way that I live, the way that I've conducted my professional life is actually not the norm because people do, like in the States, you can be a waiter for a year because you're 
down on your luck and then you can go back to being a financial planner. In Spain, if you're a waiter, you're born into a family of waiters, you die a waiter. It's a very different system. So kind and of like a caste system only. It is. It's, it's very limited. And But I, I, I was able to make it despite all that <laughs> and make a living writing. I would always find opportunities like script writing and adapting scripts from English uh, American sitcoms into Spanish. And then I would find ways to use my creativity, well, to write my own books and get them published and write for newspapers. And then when I moved to the States with my now ex-husband, um, it was, yes, I was, I had my citizen, I mean, my, my American passport and, and my language and all that, but I didn't have the connections. I didn't know how to, to navigate the system here. And in less than three months, I was already writing for newspapers and building my community, linking with the Hispanic community. And it really is, you know, when people say, oh, but I did this and I moved somewhere and I didn't know anyone, well, you know, do something. Exactly. <laughs> I am very self-driven. I'm really self-driven. Now, is part of that have to do with your grandmother? I think I read that your grandmother raised you. Is that correct? My grandmother raised me, yes. She survived the civil war in Spain. And I watched her do all kinds of things to help, you know, my dad and us um, just make it after my parents' divorce. And, and I admire her a lot for simply, you know, for doing whatever was necessary to put food on the table and to get us out the door in the morning. Now, a lot of these women that are raising young children in their older ages are grandparents. Do you think that a grandparent raising a child is going to have different situations or different issues than a mother raising a child at an older age? I'm sure because there's, um, first of all, there's not the same relationship. And I don't even think it has to do with age because my my grandma was actually very young when um, she started um, raising us. Like I'll be, the difference we have in age is almost the one that I have between my kids and myself. So I don't think it's so much generational. I felt a bigger generational gap with my father who was only 24 years older or is only 24 years older. I think it has more to do with the relationship itself. Like my sister's child is by choice and she's in her fifties and her relationship with my kids is completely different than mine. So I think it's more about this detachment you feel when you're not the parent, whether you're the grandparent, the aunt, the aunt or or just a friend. And and in a way it gives the kids a different perspective because I know like being an older mother has helped me realize that there are so many things about parenting that when you're young you just can't think about. And I, looking back at my parents, I know half the time they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> not, not that I, I know a lot more, but I have the perspective of a, of, of a life experience. So when, when you're removed from that child that you did not give birth to, then and you don't have the 100% responsibility of that kid, I think you just, you can, you can look at things as an outsider, which can help a lot. So you have a different, calmer perspective. I think so. I do think so. And I think also older parents have that as well, I think, for the most part, at least ones I know and me. (laughs) Okay. So let's go back to your website, viva50.com, right? Viva50.com, is that correct? Yes. And with, not with a number, with uh, letters, Viva50. Viva50. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have that, a link to it in the show notes as well. So the things that you talk about then are relationships, escape or what you do when you're not working, grace. Life. It's life. life. It's it's life. It's beauty, uh, health, relationships, a lot of, and, and the content is a little bit different depending on what language we use, because I've found it interesting that people who speak English and that's their first language, 
have different concerns. <laughs> and I can see it when people are looking for material in Viva 50 from the search strings, you can see what they're looking for. And in English, it's more about how you look and how you feel mm -hmm. physically and mentally. And in Spanish, it's more about finding a partner. Wow, so isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's something about me that you don't know. So I'm I'm not bilingual, but my mother's second husband was Mexican. And I have a brother who's 10 years older than me, and he is perfectly bilingual. So because when he was with us, so my mother and her, his dad got divorced when he was two, or actually they started the proceedings, I think, before he was born. So he would come over to our house, he would be at our house, and we didn't speak any Spanish. And then he would go over to his auntie's house, and they didn't speak any English. English. <laughs> That's right. And so he grew yeah. up, and, and I still, because I was 10, I remember him, he would mix the languages together. Like he would say, can I have a glass of agua? Or yeah. donde esta the bathroom? Or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I wonder if his thought process... I wonder what it, his is like, because he sort of grew up with, and he speaks English with a perfect English accent, and he speaks Spanish with a perfect Spanish accent. And um, I just wonder if that affects him at all, because he's got the two cultures together. Well, I think my opinion of this being I mean, bilingual in my life and bicultural, I say multicultural because I also went to a British school, so that makes one extra thing in there. But it is that you are able to think of more concepts because they don't even exist in the other language. So there are words and expressions that exist in other languages that do not exist in English. And like novio. Like novio. Novio. It's true. Yeah, because true. when I was an true. older, so I didn't get married until I was 42. And I never wanted to use the word boyfriend. And I couldn't use the word fiance because that wasn't right either. So I would say novio. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I know. Well, there, but see, in, in Spain, there's this, there's another word, well, in Spain, Spanish, there's a word prometido, but it sounds very uh, far-fetched or, so people just say novio or novia. Yeah. 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 So, but, but I do think that having more than one language really does, whether it's yours or you learn it as a second language, uh -huh. which by the way, when you're older, learning languages is a great way to keep your mind in good shape. I know. They've done studies, right? With Alzheimer's and things like that. Yeah. 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 That, um, yeah, that learning a language at an older age, of course, is more difficult. But yeah, but it's, it's, it's doable. You know, it's, it's like, even if you started early, like I, I used to study French and for some silly reason, <laughs> unfortunately dropped it. But now I can understand it. I couldn't speak it, but I'm sure that if I picked it up again, like I've traveled to other countries where uh, French is spoken or Creole, like I was in Haiti last summer and people mm -hmm. speak Haitian Creole and I can understand not everything. But then if you're, you spend enough time in the place, then it, it kind of comes back to you. Yeah. Like I can kind of mm. understand Spanish more than I can speak it, of course, because my tongue just doesn't want to make the words. Right. But if I'm sure that if you picked it up or you spent time in a place where Spanish was spoken, then it would come back to you. Yes. And I can get by. Like I can, I speak this sort of pigeon Spanish. I learned a long time ago something called the magic circle. And that's where you speak a weird way, but people can understand you. Like instead of saying, por favor, at the end of a sentence, you say, favor de, and then basically you can think in English and talk in Spanish. So, because you're not conjugating the verb. But anyway, I know that's, that's a different story. <laughs> 
So you are targeting mostly women over the age of 50. Is there any advice that you would give to my listeners that are thinking about what are they going to do when they stop working? What would be the one piece of advice that you would give to my listeners about that? This is not my very original idea at all, but it, it, it does work, which is to think of what would you really do? What is it that you didn't do during your life that you wish you had always done? Or what is it that you would do for no money, even if you got paid? And do it now. I've lived my entire life hearing people say, I want to write a book. And I've written a number of books. What is the difference between what I've done and the other person is that they just didn't sit down and do it. That is the only difference. So instead of procrastinating because time is running out, do it. Just do it now. But think of that one thing. I mean, it's some people might be fine just traveling the world and playing canasta, but but most people are not. And we we are happier, more content and feel better. I think when we live a life on purpose, just meaning that you're doing what you feel you should be doing and you're happy doing it. That's fantastic. And I'm so glad that you found what you love to do because I love hearing what you have to say and reading your materials. So I just, I just love that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And, um, oh, for my listeners, Lorraine has done this really cool thing. She is giving away her book. Do you want to tell us about your book that you're giving to my listeners? Yes, it's a very short book uh, called Reach from Single Mom on Welfare to Digital Entrepreneur, which details the time after or during the recession in 2008, where I lost everything at 45, my source of income, my marriage, absolutely everything except my kids and my will to survive and keep on going. And how in midlife, I was able to harness my skills and take them elsewhere to the digital world and come back with a vengeance. That's great. And we can get that book by going to rockyourretirement.com slash reach, R-E-A-C-H. And that'll take you to the site where you can download the book. So yeah, thank you. And, and actually, your story, it relates to everybody because everybody has known a loss and everybody has been at a loss. And your inspirational story, I think, will help my listeners, even if they are in a different time of life than you are currently. I find that to be very inspirational. And I'm going to go download your book. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you so much. And so you can reach Lorraine. Do you do you want to give your contact information? Sure. People can find me on Twitter at Viva50 or Lorraine C. Laddish or at Viva50.com. Great. So Viva50.com if you're not on Twitter or if you don't even know what Twitter is. <laughs> Just go to Viva50.com. Lorraine, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, for my listeners, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Thanks for listening to the Rock Your Retirement show. If you are rocking your retirement or know someone who would make a great guest on our show, please send us an email at podcast at rockyourretirement.com. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, 
a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show and when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com support 
and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.